Paul and Beth Giuliano are good people. Even though they're rabid Clemson fans, they're good people. Beth started coming to Northside in 1968 when she was in the ninth grade. That's a long time ago. Beth and Paul were married in 1984, and that's when Paul started coming. In October of 2009, we had a Heaven's Gates Hell's Flame outreach event here at the church. And, and even though Paul was already a church member, it was at that event that Paul had a life-changing experience with Jesus. He was baptized shortly after, and life was good for Paul and Beth. And then that day happened. I want to read to you from Beth's own words. That day for us was on a Saturday, October the 30th, 2010. Paul decided to cut a dead limb off of the only tree in our yard, and as he cut the limb, it broke, knocking the ladder out from under him. His body fell across the double-stacked portion of the ladder, leaving him with three destroyed vertebrae, broken ribs, a punctured lung, and three neck fractures. We both knew immediately something was horribly wrong, but hearing those words, you will never walk again, were unbelievably gut-wrenching. We spent the next three months at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta for rehab and education. Each day was agonizing for Paul as he learned to cope with pain and, and how to maneuver life in a wheelchair. The agony for me was helplessly watching him suffer and wondering how we would survive. Both of us struggled daily as we learned to handle what would be our new normal. During those difficult days of adjustment, Jesus used our church family to be his hands and feet. Every time we felt a moment of agony, we received a visit, a card, a phone call, a prayer. We knew they came from him. Once we returned home, there were days I would fall down on the floor and wail, I can't do this. I literally heard God say, you are right. You can't. But I can. Am I not living in you? He flooded my mind with reminders from his word. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious for anything, but with prayer and thanksgiving present your request to the Lord, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart. Psalm 34, 17, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you do not be dismayed for I am your God and through these years there are so many issues that he has taken care of for us through our church family through friends and even through complete strangers do we still struggle you bet we do but he never fails to carry us through Paul Beth, thank you for remaining faithful on that day. And thank you for being a testimony to us on how we can make it through that day. Because the fact of the matter is, everybody in this room will one day, someday, experience that day. It could be a death. 
tragic accident, a diagnosis of a terminal disease, a devastating divorce, or a host of other things. The question is not, will we experience that day? We will. The question is, when that day comes, will we make it? Will we continue to love God, to serve God, to walk with God in spite of that day? And that is the question that Satan posed to God in the book of Job. Satan appeared before the throne of God with the heavenly host, and he, and he asked God this question. He said, will Job still love you? Will Job still serve you? Will Job still fear you if the blessings are taken away? One translation says it this way. Will Job worship you? If he gets nothing out of it? And that's the question that each and every one of us must answer. Because the answer to that question will not only determine how strong our faith is. I am convinced that the answer to that question will determine whether our faith is real or not. Now understand, Job lost everything. He lost his wealth, he lost his possessions, he lost all of his children, he lost his health. All he had left was a wife that, that literally told him to curse God and die. And three friends who were convinced that he was going through this devastation, this calamity, because there was sin in his life. And yet, through everything that Job experienced, he never once cursed God. He never turned his back on God. He never rejected God. Did he have questions? You better believe he did. But in the midst of those questions, he never ceased to worship God and trust God. So how did he make it? How did Job make it through that day? Well, I believe the first thing was, he had a commitment to worship. The very first thing that Job did when this tragedy struck, when this day happened for him, is he worshipped. We are told that he stood up, tore his robe in grief, shaved his head, and then he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said these words, naked I came, naked will I leave, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed. Praise be the name of the Lord. You see, we don't just praise God when he keeps us from the storms. We don't just praise God when he delivers us through the storm. We praise God when we are in the midst of the storm. We praise God when all we see on the horizon are storm clouds. And so Job worshipped. But Job also grieved. He didn't deny his grief. He, he didn't try to simply push through his grief. He faced his grief. He shared his grief with others. And over time, he dealt with his grief. And that doesn't mean you ever get over your grief. I don't know if you do. But you can get through your grief when you understand that, that God cares and our tears are temporary. You see, God promises that one day he will wipe away every tear. But this morning, I want us to look at another thing that I believe we need if we're going to make it through that day. And so if you haven't opened your Bibles already, I want you to open your Bible with me to Job chapter 13. 
verse 15. And I want us to see this second thing that I believe we need if we're going to make it through that day. And that is we have to trust God. We have to trust God when we don't understand. We have to trust God when it seems like he doesn't answer. We have to trust God even when it feels like he doesn't care. Let me say that again. We have to trust him. Period. When he doesn't seem to answer, when it feels like he doesn't care, we trust God. Now I want to read Job 13, 15 in the King James because I believe that, that it best translates Job's feelings and it best puts into word the Hebrew in this text. And so in Job 13, 15, this is what Job says. He says, though he, God, slay me, yet will I trust in him. What Job literally says here is this, even if God kills me, I will still trust in him. Even if God kills me, I will trust in him. Now understand, Job isn't speaking hypothetically. Job isn't speaking from the vantage point that life is good and he's saying, you know, if my life falls apart, if things go south, I will still trust God. No, he is speaking from reality. His life had fallen apart. Everything Job cared for was gone. He was alive, but we learned last week that he would rather be dead. Death would have been a welcome event for Job. He was tired of his life. And through all of this, as we read the book of Job, we discover that God was sovereign in Job's life. Job knew this. Job knew that God was in control. Job knew that at any moment God could stop the hurt, but he didn't. Job knew that in the midst of all of this pain, in the midst of the most difficult, gut-wrenching time of his life, God could stop it, and he didn't. And yet Job still trusted God. You see, trust is not just believing God will. Trust is believing even when God won't. Now let me say that again. Because this is so important for you to understand. Trust is not just believing God will. Trust is believing even when God won't. Some of us have the idea that, that trust or faith is this magic key that, that gets God to open up the vault of his blessings on our life. If I have enough faith, I will get healed. If I have enough faith, I will get that job I want. If I have enough faith, everything will go well in my life. We tend to think that people who are driving the nice cars, people who are living in the nice houses, people who have what we feel like are relatively trouble-free lives have more faith than we do. And the truth of the matter is, there are churches and there are teachers that teach that. You turn on any of your Christian stations today and you listen long enough and you will hear someone tell you that if you have enough faith, you can be healed. 
If you have enough faith, you can get that job. If you have enough faith, this will happen for you. And yet, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that faith is trusting God in spite of what happens. Faith is is affirming like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did when he said, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. Those three men were about to be thrown in a fiery furnace because of their faith in God. They knew their God was sovereign. They knew God was in control. They knew God could protect them in the midst of the fire. And yet their faith caused them to affirm, even if he doesn't, we will still trust him. That is faith. Faith is David. When when King David was overwhelmed by by seen and unseen enemies, spiritual enemies and physical enemies, and he said to God, how long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart? Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated them. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David is in the pit. He is overwhelmed. He is overcome. He is in the midst of the battle. And yet these are his words. But I trust in your unfailing love. That is faith. Faith is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before he was crucified. He knew what was going to happen. And as he is in the garden praying, he says, Father, remove this cup from me. What cup? The cup of anguish that is about to happen. The suffering that is about to take place. He says, Father, if there is any way possible, remove this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Faith is saying to God, God, I trust you enough that that even if I have to go through the storm, even if I have to die, I'm going to trust you. And faith is remaining faithful even when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers. When God seems silent. Job said, I cry to you, O God, but you don't answer. I stand before you, but you don't even look at me. Understand, Job never once questioned God's existence. He never once questioned God's power. He knew God was the one who could answer his questions. He knew God was the one who could heal his hurt. He knew God was the one who could take away his pain. And so he prayed to God. And yet, God was silent. Job didn't hear from God. He didn't see God, and he didn't feel God. And yet, in the midst of all of that, he trusted God. Listen very carefully. This is key. If we believe that God is sovereign, and if he is God, he has to be. If we believe that God is in control... If we believe that God is good, then we must trust Him regardless of what happens. 
If we believe God is sovereign, if we believe God is in control, if we believe he is good, then we have to trust him regardless. When the blessings fall, we trust him. When the bottom falls out, we trust him. When the answers come quickly, we trust them. When the answers don't come at all, we still trust him. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faith chapter by many. I want you to listen to how that chapter starts out. Hebrews 11 verse 1, it says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now what you need to understand is this. Whenever you see three words in the Bible, the Old Testament or the New Testament, those three words translated in English are always the same Hebrew or Greek word. The word believe, belief, the word faith, and the word trust. Whenever you see those words, they are the same Hebrew word. They are the same Greek word. And so what this is saying is trust is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Trust gives us assurance about things we cannot see. And then we read Hebrews chapter 11 and we see example after example of men and women who had this trust in God. Abel's trust caused him to be obedient in the way he gave. Enoch's trust caused him to walk with God in the midst of an ungodly world. Noah's faith caused him to believe God and build an ark, believing that rain was going to come, even though it had never rained, believing that God's judgment was going to come, even though he had never seen rain before. Abraham's trust caused him to leave his home and follow God into the unknown. It caused him to trust that God was going to give him a child, even when he was a hundred years old. It caused him to be willing to offer that son as a sacrifice to God, believing that God could raise that son back to life. Isaac's trust caused him to promise future blessings to his sons. Jacob's trust caused him to bless each of Joseph's sons and then bow down and worship God. Moses' trust caused him to refuse to follow the gods of Egypt. Instead, the Bible says, enjoying the oppression of God's people rather than the fleeing pleasures of sin. It was trust that the people of Israel had that caused them to walk through dry ground through the Red Sea. It was trust in God that caused them to march around the walls of Jericho believing that those walls would fall. It was trust that, that kept Rahab, the prostitute, from being destroyed with her people. We were told that it was trust that shut the mouths of lions, that quenched the flames of fire, that helped them escape the death by the edge of the sword. And it was trust that even raised the dead. Now here's what I know. We all love to hear those stories, don't we? We all want to experience those things in our life, don't we? The miraculous, the supernatural. I mean, we want to see God show up in our life and we want to see God show off in our life, don't we? We all do. And we say something like this, and when he does, we will give all the glory to him. And so we want this supernatural, we want this miraculous, and yet Hebrews 11:1 1 tells us that faith is more than that. 
We are told that trust is confidence when things seem hopeless. We are told that trust is believing even when we do not see. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. And yet, they did not receive what was promised. Did you hear that? They died believing what God had promised them, and yet, at their death, they had not received it. But they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. Go down to verse 35 in Hebrews. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Did you get that? You, you see, Hebrews 11 is, is not just about those who believed and they saw it is about those who believed and never saw this side of eternity. And yet they still believed. You see, faith is confidence when things seem hopeless. Faith is believing when we cannot see. Now go back to Job 13, verse 15 for a minute. Because there's another truth here that we need to see. Job said, though he, God, slay me, Yet I will trust, listen, yet I will trust in Him. Now here's the truth. It's not enough to simply trust. I must trust in God. I hear people all the time say things like, well, I believe, I trust, I have faith. But the question is, who or what do you trust in? You see, there is only one God who is over all, and that is the God who created heaven and earth. That is the God who revealed himself in his son Jesus. That is the God who allowed his son to die on a cross so that you and I can be forgiven. He is the only God, and if you put your trust in any other, then your trust is useless. L let me give you an example. Suppose you go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you, you have a terrible infection. If this infection is untreated, it will kill you. So, but the good news is we have an antibiotic and it'll wipe out the infection. And he gives you two medicine bottles. He says in one bottle is an antibiotic that will cure you. In the other one is a placebo. It's pills, but they aren't real. You can take both of them, and you can take whichever one you like. Now, you're going to go home, and you're not going to say, well, it doesn't matter which medicine bottle I take, are you? You don't want the placebo. You want the antibiotic. 
You want the one that's going to knock out the infection. Does it matter which medicine bottle you take? You better believe it does. It's a matter of life and death. You put your trust in the placebo, you're going to die. You put your trust in the antibiotic, you can live. It does matter what you put your trust in. And it does matter who you put your trust in. There is only one God who can help us through that day. And that is the God who created you. The God who loves you in spite of your sin and rebellion. The God who sent his son to pay for your sins by dying in your place. The God who has prepared a place for you far better than this place that we live in right now. So we trust in God. And we trust in God not just to save us. We trust in God to see us through, to sustain us in the difficult times of life. Now as we walk through the book of Job, we discover that Job did that. Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. And, and as you walk through the book of Job, you see five different ways that Job trusted God. First of all, when life is good, we trust God. That's what Job did. When everything was going great, Job feared God. When everything was going great, he was a blameless man. He stayed away from evil. He prayed for his children. Why? Because when things were good, he still trusted God. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's easy. No, it's not. You see, when life is good, hear me, when life is good, we have a tendency to forget God. We may give him the occasional thank you, but in reality, we don't think about him that much. He's not on our mind. He's not on our heart because we don't need him. But listen, I believe, I believe with all my heart that it's much easier to fall away from God when things are going good rather than when things are going bad. Because when things are going good, we get self-sufficient. We get self-reliant. And so hear me. When things are going good in your life, you still trust God. Next, when tragedy strikes, when tragedy hits, trust God. That's what Job did. When it hit, he fell to his knees and he worshipped and he trusted God. When tragedy hits, the natural thing for each of us to do is, is ask questions. And it's okay to ask questions, but don't ever stop trusting God. Because the truth of the matter is, in this sinful world in which we live, tragedy and sorrow are a part of everyday life. Bad things happen every day. Natural disasters, evil people kill, disease overwhelms. I mean, bad things happen in this world. And, and if you're living in a bubble right now and somehow you think you're immune from bad things, wake up. Bad things do happen to good people, and you need to be prepared. But yet, in the midst of the tragedy, Job trusted God. Third, when grief overwhelms, trust God. That's what Job did. Job poured out his heart to God. He was honest with God with how he felt, and yet his affirmation was, I still trust you. I am convinced that Though friends can surround us in our grief and 
They can help us. It is only God who can soothe the aching of our soul. Let me say that again. When grief happens, our friends can surround us and that helps. But it is only God that can truly soothe the aching of your soul. And so when grief overwhelms us, we have to trust God. Here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. When grief overwhelms, it's going to either cause us to flee from God's presence, convinced that God is an evil God or he's not God at all, or it's going to cause us to fall into his arms, saying, I need you now more than ever. So when grief overwhelms, trust God. Fourth, when God is silent, trust God. That's what Job did. Over and over again, Job begged God to answer, to respond, to give him an audience. And yet, time after time after time, God was silent. God seemed distant and even though God was silent even though from Job's perspective God didn't care Job still trusted God and when God does respond trust God chapter 38 God responds finally to Job but but God doesn't answer the way Job thought he would answer the answer wasn't the answer that that Job expected and yet in the midst of it all Job trusted God in chapter 42 he says I know you God can do anything and no one can stop you several verses later he said I had only heard about you before now I have seen you with my own eyes now In other words, what what Job was saying is, I knew about you, now I've experienced your presence. I've been overwhelmed with who you are. And nothing, no one, no thing can ever cause me to stop trusting you. See, Job had come to that place where whatever happened in his life, He was going to trust God. And to be honest with you, that's where each and every one of us need to come. David said it like this in Psalm 62, verse 8. Oh, my people, trust in him. When? At all times. Oh, my people, trust in him. When? At all times. Is it on the screen? No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh, my people. Can you say it? Are you awake? Trust in Him when? At all times. Whatever happens, trust God. Do you? Have you? Are you? I'm here to tell you. If you don't trust God, the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth, who sent his son to be your redeemer. If you don't trust him, you will never make it through that day. You'll never make it through. So are you trusting him? I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. 
And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I want to remind you, we have to trust God to save us. That's the first step. And when we do that and we give Him control of our life, that's what trusting is, we can trust Him to sustain us. But we're never going to be able to trust God to sustain us until we trust Him to save us. And so if you're here and you've never truly put your trust in God, you've never humbled yourself before God saying, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. I need you to guide me. I need you to take control of my life. If you've never really done that, surrendering all to Him, then I want to invite you this morning, wherever you are, to trust God. Trust Jesus and let Him save you and change your life. What do you need to do? The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, all you need to do is humbly ask Him and He'll hear you. And so if you're here and you say, Rocky, I, I may have prayed a prayer, I may have been dunked in water, I may have came forward in a church service, but I've never truly trusted Him alone to save me. I've never given Him control of my life. And you're ready to do that today? Then pray this prayer. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning acknowledging my sin, my rebellion. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. I've lived life my way. I'm tired of it. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave defeating sin for me. Today I'm placing my trust in you. Save me change me make me new take control of my life fill me with your Holy Spirit from this moment on I want to live for you because you died for me thank you for hearing my prayer thank you for saving